65 hospital and health system M&A deals were announced last year, up from 53 in 2022. The increase reflects a growing momentum following a pandemic-related slowdown. That's according to a recent report from Kaufman Hall. I'm Jay Carlyle Larson, and this is Just Healthcare Daily. It's Monday, February 5th. Thanks so much for joining us. Though mega-mergers, those that have a combined revenue of more than $1 billion, dominated the news cycle, analysts found that many smaller to medium-sized deals in 2023 were driven by financial distress. On today's episode, I'm joined by Anu Singh, Managing Director and Leader of the Partnerships, Mergers and Acquisitions Practice at Kaufman Hall, to talk more about the previous year's healthcare M&A activity, all the factors at play, and what we may see this year. Here's our conversation. Can you give a brief overview of how hospital and health system M&A activity really shook out in 2023? 2023 was a continuation of some themes we've seen before, but also the emergence of a few new ones as well. Um, At the very top, we're seeing the increasing activity come back and show a return to pre-pandemic levels overall. Um, Our report indicates that at 65 in number of hospital and health system transactions, um, we're certainly increasing from the 53 the year before, and we're on path to that 80 or 90 type level that we saw uh, before embedded in that, the mega mergers continue. Uh, organizations that are a billion plus in net patient revenue that are the smaller organization and an MA transactions uh, continue to be part of the dialogue at the same level uh, that we've seen over the last few years. We're also seeing organizations that are highly rated. So, an, an investment grade plus, call it an A minus rating or above, continuing to participate in, in some of the same activity. And we, then, we believe that's a function of the cons- consistent move towards the transformation of healthcare that will reward organizations that can invest in the new capabilities and the new resources that are required uh, for future demands on these health systems. They include consumerism, innovation, research development. In those areas, there's, there seems to be a movement towards organizations in, who can align and, and complement uh, one another really well. Saying that, we're also seeing some new trends. We saw the benefit coming out of the initial wave of the pandemic of CARES Act funding that allowed some of the hospitals and health systems to see a replacement of revenue in the form of funding and loans from the government uh, to maintain their normal ordinary course operations through the operational and clinical challenges they had around the pandemic. What's happened since is without that funding, organizations that um, were probably uh, underperforming before are really showing up as underperforming now. And that's because that level of funding is gone, but the ongoing expense requirements of participating with normal operations in a post-pandemic world uh, mean that you have a much higher expense base. And if the revenue hasn't fully returned either through volumes or through rates, you're going to see more distress. And that's what we saw this year. Um, Approximately 30% of the transactions that announced in 2023 had some level of financial distress associated with them. That's almost twice of the highest figure that we've seen 
over the last seven to eight years, uh, as long as we've been tracking the data, where it really only peaked at about 15%. So what we are seeing is both ends of the spectrum, the highly strategic uh, transformational motivated transactions that had always been there even through the pandemic are now be, being balanced out now with some of the financially distressed ones that weren't as prevalent, but are certainly on display here in 2023 in the statistics that we have. Let's take a deeper look at the financial distress factors. Overall, what does this all tell you? When you look at a typical hospital, approximately, give or take, 55% of the revenue associated with the hospital um, is its going forward like labor expense. So 55% of revenue is a pretty good touchstone of, of what the expense base might be associated with a typical hospital operation. Coming out of the pandemic, the cost for clinical staff, the cost for nurses, the cost for a lot of these caregiving constituents has increased at such an incredible level that we have this mismatch where expenses are continuing to increase and not every hospital is seeing all its revenue and volumes come back. Organizations are seeing more competition from non-hospital type organizations, specialists you can call them, that focus on urgent care or on lab or ambulatory. And so you're being hit with an increased pressure on revenue being realized and an expense that is significantly higher than it was before. So the impact of that is it's gonna create financial distress almost immediately. It's gonna reflect itself in covenants that can sometimes be tripped because the upside down revenue and expense curve is creating a situation where there's an acute liquidity uh, or solvency trigger in debt arrangements or debt agreements that are highlighting just how significant that change could be. So uh, we're not terribly surprised to see that happen. And I think it's going to be a factor that remains as part of the dialogue uh, going forward. I think transforming organizations aside, there are gonna be a number of, of distressed and underperforming organizations that are gonna to continue to see these challenges in years to come. On that note, I want to get your take on this. Fitch Ratings recently came out and said that we may be in this new era where nonprofit hospitals in particular are going to be operating with a 1% to 2% operating margin. Could you see that potentially playing a role in M&A activity moving forward? Most certainly, and, and, and there's a few different ways to explain it. It's not just the acute, okay, expenses are outpacing revenue in terms of growth, and now we're taking our balance sheet and essentially liquidating it or using that to fund normal operations. Yes, of course, that's a warning sign, right? When you're taking the altitude you once had and headroom over covenants and cash that was supposed to be used for a different purpose, maybe something strategic or saving for an acquisition or something else, if you're now systematically unbundling that same bulbous of cash and reinvesting it in your operations, Clearly, that's a sign of financial distress, and that's going to drive part of the activity we're going to see. But there's a next layer on top of that. Let's assume you're at a 1% margin. You're essentially a break-even organization from a cash flow standpoint, and you have been able to withstand the revenue and expense reshift or, or, or re recalibration that took place in the marketplace. So now you're operating at nominal to zero cash flow generating capacity. Well, you're not increasing your performance to the level 
where you can reinvest in your organization. There could be other strategic capital or resource or intellectual capital elements that you'd like to attain to enhance your viability as an organization, to bring something back, to deliver on your community promise that costs something. And if you don't have the cash flow to do that, it's not as if that's going to allow uh, that situation is going to allow you you to come back and reinvest. So ultimately, you're going to have to look at well, what are the options outside of my four walls in order to access that, that technology or to capitalize on some resource or to bring some intellectual capital into the organization that you need to manage the transformation of healthcare. So there's that layer also. It's not just the financial acuity. And, and the level of distress, but it's also organizations facing the choice of, well, even if we had to live perpetually or even in the medium term at a 1% margin, strategically, is that the right thing to do for our organization? And are we really doing the best that we can for our community by sort of relying or, or, or almost compromising to that level of performance going forward? The number of deals involving a financially distressed party increased from 15% in 2022 to 27.7% last year. And even looking at previous years, the jump between 2022 and 2023 was significant. It's roughly a 12 percentage point increase. Do you think we could see similar increases or do you expect a leveling out at some point when it comes to deals driven by financial distress? Well, it's interesting. I think we have to unbundle the percentages and number. So I fully expect that the number of financially distressed transactions and number will continue to grow. And I think ordinarily we'd say, oh, well, then obviously the percentage will go up. That may not necessarily be the case because the other side of this is there are highly strategic organizations that are well positioned, that have found a way through their presence in their markets, through the development of relationships that they have, that even with this expense and revenue challenge, they're shifting their business model to do other things, and they may be able to capitalize on some of the disruption in this industry. Well, those organizations are also looking for compliments and finding other ways to collaborate. So the health system 150 miles away has a health plan, and we don't. They don't have a very well-developed ambulatory and outpatient strategy, but we do. And so these complementary capabilities transactions are continuing also. So one thing I would caution for going forward is I don't know that the percentage of distressed is the best measure of the level of activity, because I think we're going to see increases in both sides. And so as long as the number of transactions continue to increase uh, like we expect, that's going to be a better barometer of how much more activity is taking place that's financially distressed or at the other end of the spectrum, which are highly strategic. That was Anu Singh, Managing Director and Leader of the Partnerships, Mergers and Acquisitions Practice at Kaufman Hall. He joined me to talk more about how hospital and health system M&A activity bore out in 2023 and what it could mean for this year and beyond. Coming up next Monday, we hear the second half of my conversation with Anu, where we'll discuss some of the more strategic deals of 2023 and what themes are emerging in his conversations with hospital leaders. Be sure to join us. For more on how health systems are navigating strategic options in a transformed operating environment, Kaufman Hall is hosting a webinar on February 26th at 2 in the afternoon Central Time. Register at kaufmanhall.com or you can find a link to the webinar in our show notes.
This has been Just Healthcare Daily from Kaufman Hall. I'm Jay Carlisle Larson. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please leave us a rating or a review. It helps other listeners find the podcast. We'll be back with healthcare business and policy news updates tomorrow, as always, in 10 minutes or less. In the meantime, you can check out more insights on healthcare business and policy news at justhealthcare.com. You can also get these insights emailed directly to your inbox when you subscribe to our newsletter, The Gist Weekly.